Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Roughing It in the Bush by Susanna Moody. Chapter 14. A Journey to the Woods. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Moira Fogarty. Roughing It in the Bush by Susanna Moody Chapter 14 A Journey to the Woods Tis well for us poor denizens of earth That God conceals the future from our gaze Or hope the blessed watcher on life's tower Would fold her wings And on the dreary waste Close the bright eye that through the murky clouds Of blank despair Still sees the glorious sun it was a bright, frosty morning when I bade adieu to the farm, the birthplace of my little Agnes, who, nestled beneath my cloak, was sweetly sleeping on my knee, unconscious of the long journey before us into the wilderness. The sun had not as yet risen. Anxious to get to our place of destination before dark, we started as early as we could. Our own fine team had been sold the day before for forty pounds, and one of our neighbours, a Mr. D., was to convey us and our household goods to Duro for the sum of twenty dollars. During the week he had made several journeys, with furniture and stores, and all that now remained was to be conveyed to the woods in two large lumber sleighs, one driven by himself, the other by a younger brother. It was not without regret that I left Melsetter, for so my husband had called the place after his father's estate in Orkney. It was a beautiful, picturesque spot, and, in spite of the evil neighbourhood, I had learned to love it. Indeed, it was much against my wish that it was sold. I had a great dislike to removing, which involves a necessary loss, and is apt to give to the emigrant roving and unsettled habits. But all regrets were now useless, and happily unconscious of the life of toil and anxiety that awaited us in those dreadful woods, I tried my best to be cheerful, and to regard the future with a hopeful eye. Our driver was a shrewd, clever man for his opportunities. He took charge of the living cargo, which consisted of my husband, our maidservant, the two little children, and myself, besides a large hamper full of poultry, a dog, and a cat. The lordly sultan of the imprisoned seraglio thought fit to conduct himself in a very eccentric manner, for at every barnyard we happened to pass, 
he clapped his wings, and crowed so long and loud that it afforded great amusement to the whole party, and doubtless was very edifying to the poor hens, who lay huddled together as mute as mice. "'That air rooster thinks he's on top of the heap,' said our driver, laughing. "'I guess he's not used to travelling in a close conveyance. Listen, how all the crowers in the neighbourhood give him back a note of defiance. But he knows that he's safe enough at the bottom of the basket.' The day was so bright for the time of year, the first week in February, that we suffered no inconvenience from the cold. Little Katie was enchanted with the jingling of the sleigh-bells, and nestled among the packages, kept singing or talking to the horses in her baby lingo. Trifling as these little incidents were, before we had proceeded ten miles on our long journey, they revived my drooping spirits, and I began to feel a lively interest in the scenes through which we were passing. The first twenty miles of the way was over a hilly and well-cleared country, and as in winter the deep snow fills up the inequalities and makes all roads alike, we glided as swiftly and steadily along as if they had been the best highways in the world. Anon the clearings began to diminish, and tall woods arose on either side of the path. Their solemn aspect and the deep silence that brooded over their vast solitudes inspiring the mind with a strange awe. Not a breath of wind stirred the leafless branches, whose huge shadows reflected upon the dazzling white covering of snow, lay so perfectly still that it seemed as if nature had suspended her operations, that life and motion had ceased, and that she was sleeping in her winding-sheet upon the bier of death. "'I guess you will find the woods pretty lonesome,' said our driver, whose thoughts had been evidently employed on the same subject as our own. "'We were once in the woods, but emigration has stepped ahead of us and made ourn a cleared part of the country. When I was a boy, all this country for thirty miles on every side of us was bushland. As to Peterborough, the place was unknown. Not a settler had ever passed through the great swamp, and some of them believed that it was the end of the world.' "'What swamp is that?' asked I. "'Oh, the great cavern swamp. We're just two miles from it, and I tell you that the horses will need a good rest, and ourselves a good dinner by the time we are through it. Ah, Mrs. Moody, if ever you travel that way in summer you will know something about corduroy roads. I was most jolted to death last fall. I thought it would have been no bad notion to have insured my teeth before I left sea. I really expected that they would have been shook out of my head before we had done manoeuvring over the big logs.' "'How will my crockery stand it in the next sleigh?' quoth I. "'If the road is such as you describe, I am afraid that I shall not bring a whole plate to Duro. "'Oh, the snow is a great leveller. It makes all rough places smooth. "'But with regard to this swamp, I have something to tell you. "'About ten years ago, no one had ever seen the other side of it, "'and if pigs or cattle strayed away into it, they fell a prey to the wolves and bears, "'and were seldom recovered.' An old Scotch emigrant, who had located himself on this side of it, so often lost his beasts that he determined during the summer season to try and explore the place, and see if there were any end to it. So he takes an axe on his shoulder, and a bag of provisions for a week, not forgetting a flask of whiskey, and off he starts all alone, and tells his wife that if he never returned, she and little Jock must try and carry on the farm without him. But he was determined to see the end of the swamp even if it led to the other world. 
he fell upon a fresh cattle track which he followed all that day, and towards night he found himself in the heart of a tangled wilderness of bushes, and himself half eaten up with mosquitoes and black flies. He was more than tempted to give in, and return home by the first glimpse of light. The Scotch are a tough people. They are not easily daunted. A few difficulties only seemed to make them more eager to get on, and he felt ashamed the next moment, as he told me, of giving up. So he finds out a large, thick cedar tree for his bed, climbs up, and coiling himself among the branches like a bear, he was soon fast asleep. The next morning, by daylight, he continued his journey, not forgetting to blaze with his axe the trees to the right and left as he went along. The ground was so spongy and wet that at every step he plunged up to his knees in water, but he seemed no nearer the end of the swamp than he had been the day before. He saw several deer, a raccoon, and a groundhog during his walk, but was unmolested by bears or wolves. Having passed through several creeks and killed a great many snakes, he felt so weary towards the close of the second day that he determined to go home the next morning. But just as he began to think his search was fruitless, he observed that the cedars and tamaracks which had obstructed his path became less numerous and were succeeded by bass and soft maple. The ground also became less moist, and he was soon ascending a rising slope, covered with oak and beech which shaded land of the very best quality. The old man was now fully convinced that he had cleared the great swamp, and that instead of leading to the other world, it had conducted him to a country that would yield the very best returns for cultivation. His favorable report led to the formation of the road that we are about to cross, and to the settlement of Peterborough, which is one of the most promising new settlements in this district, and is surrounded by a splendid back country. We were descending a very steep hill, and encountered an ox-sleigh, which was crawling slowly up it in a contrary direction. Three people were seated at the bottom of the vehicle upon straw, which made a cheap substitute for buffalo robes. Perched as we were upon the crown of the height, we looked completely down into the sleigh, and during the whole course of my life I never saw three uglier mortals collected into such a narrow space. The man was blear-eyed, with a hair-lip, through which protruded two dreadful yellow teeth that resembled the tusks of a boar. The woman was long-faced, high-cheek-boned, red-haired, and freckled all over like a toad. The boy resembled his hideous mother, but with the addition of a villainous obliquity of vision which rendered him the most disgusting object in this singular trio. As we passed them, our driver gave a knowing nod to my husband, directing at the same time the most quizzical glance towards the strangers, as he exclaimed, "'We are in luck, sir. I think that air sleigh may be called Beauty's Egg Basket.' We made ourselves very merry at the poor people's expense, and Mr. D., with his odd stories and yankified expressions, amused the tedium of our progress through the great swamp, which in summer presents for several miles one uniform bridge of rough,